Thank you for listening to one out of four experts. I'm Brutey the Dragon. Remember, these humans are not real experts. Enjoy the show. Welcome to One Out of Four Experts, where each week my co-hosts and I endeavor to bring you topics of interest, topics and subjects only one week before we knew basically nothing about. My name is Joel, and each segment, one of the four of us will be your experts. Who else is an expert? Chris is. Caitlin is. Present. (laughs) Caitlin's over there. Josh. Yes. You're... Him too. Here I am. That's Josh. I'm here. All right. You really switched it up on me there. Dude, I, was, yeah, no, I know, I know, play, I know. Playing a little bit of the name game. Who's going first? I'm going first, y'all. <laughs> okay, Caitlin won all the points. She's going first. What you got? Well, I actually seem to have gotten the same number of points as Chris. Right, but then But I, what happened? Well, it's because I went first last week. Oh, okay, so yeah. So we did the That's thing. how it works. That's yeah. sort of what we've decided. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. So I'm going to talk about the Georgia Guidestones. I know everything (gasps) there is to know about these. Are you being serious? No, I've never heard of them. (laughs) Okay. The hell is that? All right. So it's a monument erected in 1980 in Elbert County, Georgia. It's made of granite. It's 750 feet above sea level, about 90 miles east of Atlanta, and nine miles north of the center of the city of Um, Elberton. Caitlin, is it local granite? I... (laughs) <laughs> is it non-gmo no, local granite not even sure how to answer that okay fair enough <laughs> it's sometimes referred to as the american stonehenge it's one slab in the middle with four arranged around it coming out like spokes of a wheel and then a capstone lies on top of those five slabs an additional stone tablet is set in the ground a short distance to the west of the main structure that provides some notes on the history and purpose of the guide stones. The entire monument in total is 19 feet, 3 inches tall. It's six granite slabs weighing 237,746 pounds in total. Dang. So the way this structure came to be... Was it aliens? Uh, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, no, you don't oh. get a point for that. Oh, um, no, <laughs> it's just, you know. It's a lot of dedication and hard work and maybe some teamwork. <laughs> in uh, June 1979, a man using the pseudonym Robert C. Christian went to the Elberton Granite Finishing Company. on. Oh, so yeah, I guess it was locally sourced. Sick. Ooh, nice. <laughs> that is Say, a point. I didn't think I was going to answer that. Yeah, so Be- do I get a point for that? Yeah. That's absolutely a point. There yeah. you go. Yes. That's a pointable offense. <laughs> that was, wow, I was not expecting that, Joel. I, I wrote in my notes for this a long time ago. He goes to the Elberton Granite Finishing Company on behalf of a small, quote, small group of loyal Americans and commissioned the structure. He explains that the stones would function as a compass, calendar, and clock and should be capable of withstanding catastrophic events. Wait a second. Compass? Yes. Dope. Yeah, wait, so uh, it's, compass, it's gonna be a compass. It's a calendar and a clock. Mm-hmm, yes. So wait, so this man made this then? No. So he he goes to them and and commissions it. Aren't calendars just like big clocks? Yeah, all laid out <laughs> in a grid. Oh, okay. <laughs> so like this is this is blowing my mind. So that we know who made this one. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know. This isn't like a yeah. fun, like, weird thing that everybody's like, this is It didn't like, just appear out of nowhere. No, oh. it's not ancient. I said at the beginning, it was erected in, in 1980. 70s. I got really excited when Chris said aliens, and I just fucking forgot about everything you said before. Yeah, <laughs> I heard I heard erected, and every, I just lost it. <laughs> Way to listen, Joel. <laughs> aliens can't exist in 1980? No, they can. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> <laughs> Nothing further. It's not the time frame I'm worried about. Robert C. Christian, that's the pseudonym the man used in 1979 at Elberton Granite Finishing Company on behalf of a small group of loyal Americans commissioning the structure. Joe Fendley of Elberton Granite assumed he was a nut and tried to discourage him by quoting him way higher than <laughs> any project the company had taken. Um, but the guy accepts the quote anyway and explains that he represents an anonymous group who has been planning the guidestone for 20 years. Ooh. Yeah. Do we do we eventually learn who they are? Is it the Masons? Oh, no, no, it's not the Masons. There's and no Freemasons involved. There, well, okay. I don't know. I don't Did know. Because we don't say, know. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> yeah. He's a nut. So, builders, yeah, that's a quote. Um, <laughs> so, builders had to sign a legal agreement never to reveal the identity of the financiers. That's mm-hmm. fucking And they also had to swear to destroy all legal papers having to do with their construction after the project was finished. That's a red flag right there. Okay. What the fuck? Exactly. This is like, how did we not know about this? Christian, the guy, gives him a scale model of the stones and 10 pages of specifications. He purchases five acres of land on October 1st, 1979 from a farm owner, Wayne Mullinex, which Mullinex sounds like a hair growth formula specifically for growing a mullet. <laughs> now, we can try out that commercial if you guys want to. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I, I vote Chris goes first. Okay. Um, oh, man, I just want to rock out with my cock out, but my hair just isn't doing it for me. What am I to do? Get your party in the f- back back. <laughs> <laughs> I would buy that. I'm on the phone already. I, you guys are pushing units. Mullinex. Get your party in Try the back. Mullinex. Back. Get your business in the front and party in the back. And back. it just shows Chris suffocating under a mountain of women. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> right. So Christian says that they just want the land for the stones. So he lets Mullinex know that he and his children have, because remember, this was a farm, farm mm. owner. Um, he lets Mullinex know that he and his children have lifetime cattle grazing rights on the site. So he's like, I, we just want the stones here, but... You, you can like yeah, still continue with your business. Continue living. Did how they you specify like, oh, you cannot use modern tools. You have no, to only no, whistle no, to no. the stones until they <laughs> no. float into place. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so that um, that building company uh, builds it, and it's unveiled on March twenty second, nineteen eighty, before an audience that is described as anywhere from a hundred to four hundred people. That's a big. It's not really. Gap. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so the guy later transfers ownership of the land and guidestones to Albert county so now he just he doesn't even want it he just wants the stones to be there that's the only caveat um so in 2008 they were vandalized with polyurethane paint and graffiti whoa um the slogans that uh they wrote were death to the new world order what (laughs) and wired magazine called it quote the first serious act of vandalism in the guidestones history (laughs) In 2009, a man stole a six-inch cube of the granite from the top of one of the guidestones. Four years later, police arrested William Jeremy Ellis in the middle of the night as he was trying to replace the cube of granite he'd stolen four years earlier, explaining to the police that he, quote, didn't want that weight anymore. (laughs) 
which is creepy as fuck. Ugh, Are you yeah. kidding me? That piece of granite uh, was like, kill yourself. Yeah. Kill your loved ones. Maybe he was literally carrying it around with him everywhere. And he was just like, I can't do this for four years. It's messing up my hips. So, and then in 2014, an employee of the Elbert County Maintenance Department contacted the FBI when the stones were vandalized with new graffiti that said, I am Isis, goddess of love. So who knows what that's about? There are a set of 10 guidelines inscribed on the stones. The 10 guidelines are in eight modern languages. There's one language on each face of the forge, four large upright stones. Okay. So imagine them in, there's four stones in like a circle, circle. you know, <laughs> <laughs> essentially. And on one side are two, um, wait. <laughs> confused yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, I do this all the time. Oh, Every man. fucking time I have to do this <laughs> in my topics, something, it happens. Like a visual. It literally well, falls it's in, apart. Well, it's in eight modern languages and it says one language on each face of the four large upright stones. There, there'd have to be two on each one. Yeah. Yeah. So clockwise around the structure from due north, the languages are English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, traditional Chinese, and Russian. Okay. okay, so these 10 guidelines that are inscribed are, number one, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. So this is some Thanos shit. Yes. We got to kill way more than half, though. Yeah. Yep. So number two, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. They just want to make shiny, hairless people. Oh, that's the second time you've mentioned them on this podcast. <laughs> what, the shiny, hairless people? The, yeah. the, the race that Josh <laughs> wants to see rule the earth? <laughs> what, what? No, no, no. You're misinterpreting if you think that's what I want. Number three. Number three. Unite humanity with a living new language. Number four. Okay. Rule passion, faith, tradition and all things with tempered reason sure number five protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts number six let all nations rule internally resolving external disputes in a world court number seven avoid petty laws and useless officials number eight balance personal rights with social duties number nine prize truth beauty love seeking harmony with the infinite and number 10 be not a cancer on the earth leave room for nature Leave room for nature. Ooh, double. I love yeah, that. That's yeah, that's always a good way to end. Exactly. It so, sounds like it's, depending on who wrote it, it could be a good thing, but I could see, that could also be just like an evil person that wrote that and is twisting his words. And Exactly. I mean, true The devil did go down to Georgia. It's not easily oh, defined, right? Wait, was this the devil? <laughs> did the that's devil all I'm saying. He went down to Georgia. Interesting. A few feet to the west of those four guidestones is an additional granite ledger set level with the ground. It identifies the structure and the languages used on it. It also lists various facts about the size, weight, astronomical features, date it was installed, and sponsors of the project. It also speaks of a time capsule buried under the tablet, but spaces on the stone reserved for putting the dates when it was buried and when it should be opened are blank, so we don't know if there's actually a time capsule, Mm. and we haven't been instructed to open it, so we have no idea. And at the top, it says the Georgia Guidestones, center cluster erected March 22nd, 1980. Below, inside a square, is let these be guidestones to an age of reason. Around the outside of the square are four written translations to four ancient languages, one on each side of the square. 
clockwise from the top, it's Babylonian, classical Greek, Sanskrit, and ancient Egyptian and hieroglyphs. And text on the left side of the tablet are the astronomical features. Number one, channel through stone indicates celestial pole. Number two, horizontal slot indicates annual travel of sun. Number three, sunbeam through capstone marks noontime throughout the year. Um, the four outer stones are oriented to mark the limits of the 18.6-year lunar declination cycle. Um, and I'm not really sure what that means. That's, uh, this just like, makes me think that like somebody, somebody decided like ancient structures, they saw ancient structures and they were like, this shit's confusing as hell. I could do that better. <laughs> like somebody was just like we just what if we just explained it what if we I just like did that I mean and I then don't we know it really I think clear. it's I think it's just some like weird old dudes that were like we need to like build a thing and tell everyone how to be if like an apocalypse happens well I think yeah because like, they're gonna go to Georgia if yeah the exactly happens. everyone get down to Georgia and see what the rules are now I don't think it really I don't know I don't know if it matters where it is I have a question. Yeah. Uh, is yeah. this ever a part of a National Treasure movie? <laughs> it's it not yet. Certainly not yet. I thought it like you were describing it. But I, did Nicolas Cage I, like help fund it? That's the real question. Is he like an angel investor? It's one of the things that bankrupted him. You know, what? I actually don't know <laughs> that sorry. it wasn't He's in bankrupt? National Tre- a National if Treasure not, movie, but I don't know. There's something similar to yeah, it. Yeah, it's like that shit. It's like that shit. It's that shit. Yeah, it's exactly that shit. I still um, really feel like somebody was just like, this is what I want Stonehenge to actually be, but all the shit wore off. So, like, I'm just going to write it out so people don't fuck it up. Yeah, exactly. They were, they over explained it and they think this thing has to exist because they're doing something good for the world. Yeah, and like, like, this is what Stonehenge is. I'm just doing it right. Like, um, so, okay, number three, uh, these are the, t- the astronomical features that are the text included on the left side of the tablet. Number three is sunbeam through capstone marks noontime throughout the year. And what that means is the four outer stones are oriented to mark the limits of the 18.6-year lunar declination cycle. And the center column features a hole drilled at an angle from one side to the other through which you can see the North Star. The same pillar also has a slot carved into it that is aligned with the sun's solstices and equinoxes. And a 7 eighths inch aperture in the capstone allows a ray of sun to pass through at noon each day, shining a beam on the center stone indicating the day of the year. Huh. So that's, that's pretty cool. really cool that, is, that yeah. they got it to do that. So it's it is a calendar and a clock. Remember? Yeah. Remember we were like, how? It's, they made it one it's with so some Indiana Jones and you know Raiders of the Lost Ark shit. Maybe you know? that's what I'm thinking of is Indiana Jones. Yeah. Why do they have to keep this so? Why is it all so like secretive though? Like why can't we? Why? I have no idea, but it gets that weirder. Is so fucking. So weird. it also lists the author as R. C. Christian. That my dad is gonna which love is a this. pseudonym. Shout out to my dad. Listen to this. Hey, episode. Joel's dad. This, this is for you, for buddy, you, dude. This one's for you. This. Buds for you. Okay, so <laughs> uh, it so it says the author's name. It says the sponsors, uh, which it says a small group of Americans who seek the age of reason. And then it says that there's a time capsule placed six feet on this below this spot on blank to be opened on blank. So those were never filled in. So that's why they don't know if there's actually a time capsule underneath there. Ooh. On the right side of the tablet is a block of physical data text and basically just talks about the height, the weight of the entire structure, and then also for each individual stone and where the granite is from. 
They have naturally become a subject of interest for conspiracy theorists. An activist named Mark Dice uh, demanded that they be smashed into a million pieces. Because I feel like that's how Mike Dice would, you know. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, your knees have been smashed into a million pieces. He's definitely a Jersey Shore character, right? Yeah. Um, And (laughs) then the rubble used for a construction. Oh, and then the rubble used for a construction project. (laughs) Claiming that the guy's zones are... Of, quote, a deep satanic origin. What? And that R.C. Christian belongs to, oh my God, I didn't realize there are so many quotes in this, a Luciferian secret society of some sort related to the new world order. Holy shit. Okay, so he's really passionate about that. Yeah, apparently. Um, and because also the bi- the half billion or less people suggestion would require a massive dying off of humanity, which fueled rumors that the financiers are in cahoots with an evil new world order project to extensively depopulate the planet. Yeah, that's the part that makes yeah. me think maybe it's not a good thing. Yeah, yeah. it might yeah. be like a little eugenicsy. Yeah. yeah, but I think that for the most part, like I think it means maintaining like a, a certain level regardless i don't think it means like kill off all the humans oh no it definitely means kill that. seven billion people yeah. so we just got 500 million yeah, yeah it doesn't time. it doesn't say anything about there having to be a catastrophic event so the other interpretation would be it's the so the most widely agreed upon interpretation is that the stones describe the basic concept required to rebuild a devastated civilization um an author very famous author brad Meltzer, points out that the stones were built in 1979 at the height of the cold war and therefore may have been intended as a message to the possible survivors of a nuclear World War III. So, Interesting. Those are yeah. the Georgia Guidestones. Thanos did nothing wrong. Hashtag Thanos. Thanos is right. Thanos. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Josh, for <laughs> accenting my lisp. You're welcome. Um, That's really good, Caitlin. That's a really isn't good that one. Weird? That's weird? <laughs> yeah. really that's so that. weird? Yeah. I don't know if I should be terrified or be like, oh, that's interesting that that, you know. A little both. Why not a little bit of both? Yeah. I'll, yeah. Just have a little bit of each. Hey, guys. It's Chris here. Uh, hope you're having a good time so far. I know I am. Uh, and we, you know what? We're all having a good time. And uh, we're going to keep the good times rolling. And uh, we're going to have our, our good buddy Joel. He's going to go next. And uh, he's not going to fuck it up for all of us. Nope. not. I'm not going to fuck it up. Not this time. I'm going to bring the good times. Here we go. Yeah, not this time. And <laughs> here we go. So it's uh, 1603 in feudal Japan. Mm-hmm. Picture a bright red rising sun. Mm-hmm. A lone rider appears on the horizon. He's being pursued by four samurai (gasps) warriors. Oh, no. They chase him along a beach and into a forest. Oh, no. They are being watched by a mysterious woman (gasps) from the underbrush. You don't say. It is revealed that the lone rider is a prince. Prince Kenshin. What? And he fights to keep from being taken back to the castle. In the end, the samurai... (gasps) Sorry continue in the end the samurai subdue him and carry him away sucks smash cut whoa whoa to an abandoned new york subway station what? Oh, wow, Q. Whoa, whoa, whoa. wait wait whoa. is this is this Can't, the third wait. ninja turtles movie Q. Oh, can't stop rocking by God. zz top 
Can't stop rocking by ZZ Top and four Ninja Turtles yeah. start performing some totally you gnarly ninja stunts. Chris gets a point. I knew this was coming. So Chris gets a point, and uh, you know. Wait, I was really close to taking this from you. Oh. As as the stop. Oh shit! I didn't. I didn't oh, end up doing really? it. I'm so glad I did this but first. I, thought, thing. I also thought about it for a second and then was like, absolutely not. I no. did not know there was a third of these, so <laughs> I did it. not. Joel said it one episode. I don't listen to Joel when he talks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's right, y'all. It's pizza time again yes. for the third and final installment of oh. my live action Ninja Turtles movie segments. Thank God, go. it's the last one. Honestly, I hate these. I no, I need my destiny to feel fulfilled. <laughs> you guys suck. Uh, <laughs> so, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, the turtles are back in time. That's what, oh, that's what the no. title is? That's, that's, uh, that's what the VHS box says. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Produced in 1993, this one was directed by yet another director. His name is Stuart Gillard, and uh, he's a Canadian whose credits include the movie Rocket Man and TV shows like Charmed, One Tree Hill, and <laughs> 90210. Okay. So it was produced by the same folks at Golden Harvest, our kung fu film friends. Uh, but the animation, the sorry, animations, no, animatronics, the animatronics were provided by uh, the company All Effects. So this is the first one that's not Henson. Correct. Oh, man. So rather than the fantastic Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Wait, uh, so I get a point for that. <laughs> It really uh, shows. Yeah, Kip, no, okay, okay, I was okay, going to give you a point okay. when I finished my Remembering statement. Remembering our history? I get a point for that. <laughs> I fucking nailed it. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, they did not use the Creature Shop, and I don't know why exactly, but I'm assuming because it was cheaper. Um, so is it is it noticeably worse? Yeah, yeah is it, this it's the worst very one? obviously... Did you the, save the worst for last? The eyes are very <laughs> creepy. Like this, I've read a couple Ooh, of like specific Chuck e. reviews where they were like, oh no, they have like weird golf ball eyes and they don't... It's, oh. it, the whole thing is poorly done. And the, the production company knew it. Everybody kind of knew it and they just went with it. So this is the lowest rated of the three films. Um, although it didn't totally bomb, which is due to the fact that uh, the 90s, uh, the Turtles literally couldn't do the th- a wrong thing. They could do they no wrong. They couldn't do even one wrong. People had bad taste in the 90s. No, uh, are you kidding me? No, people had great taste. No, Triangles were the shit. Yeah. Triangles were, were so- Triangers. <laughs> Triangers. All the Triangers. Triangles were so big in the 90s. Like, I'm know. sorry, what are you saying? Just like... Triangles were on everything in the triangles? 90s. Triangles? Yeah, triangles. Yeah. Like, yeah, just no, triangle patterns. Right. Yeah. Okay. And just like triangles of different sizes and at at different angles, just all over <laughs> okay. a button-up shirt. All right. Yeah. And shorts. And there's lasers and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kind of. Yeah, there are lines. Laser tag was okay. huge in the 90s. So, I remember uh, going to laser tag for a lot of birthdays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Laser tag was real big in the night. Oh yeah, and then you get uh, greasy pizza, and if you wanted Seven Up, you put your cup upside down. If you want Coca Cola, you leave it facing up, and if you want Pepsi, you put it on its side. What the wow, fuck are you talking so about? That's some intense birthday party momming right there, dude. Yeah. Holy shit! What? Can I just say? Can we go to like Laser Tag like tomorrow? Because yeah. I'll do that. 
Any like definitely okay. I work tomorrow. This movie got twenty three tomatoes. Ooh, wow. that is not a lot of tomatoes. So most of the articles I could find systematically roast this movie as being the end of the turtle days with a Z of the nineties, <laughs> uh, which is sad. It's a sad thing. I feel like it was a craze, not a days. Uh, fair. That's fair. I'll call it a turtle craze. Oh, I thought you meant days like the dog days are over. Yeah. But, but like. But like cool. Like D-A-Y-Z. Yeah. Like oh, in the Jesus. way. Oh, Jesus. That's yeah, immediately that's exactly... what you thought of. Not the actual word days. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought, I thought like, you know, the Ninja Turtles would use a Z yeah, in place right. of an S. That's probably. true. Yeah. That Correct. checks out also. Sure. Which is why I don't like craze because it has a natural Z. It's an organic Z. Yeah. It's a nat Z. Yeah. 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 This one is uh, loosely based on two-issue-spanning story. Uh, there's there's a two-issue story that's called Masks. And if you couldn't guess from the intro, the turtles travel back in time to feudal Japan mm-hmm. to rescue April O'Neil, who accidentally gets sent back in time while inspecting a strange scepter that she bought at a flea market. Mm-hmm. Of course, you don't do that. You don't buy scepters at flea markets. Oh, I, buy, you know. I buy a lot of scepters. I got several scepter. People. You got several scepters. Yep, I have several market? people servicing my several scepters. That's great. You gotta stop servicing those several scepters. <laughs> yeah. So whatever. She buys this time travel device, and she doesn't know that she bought a time travel device, and she travels back in time. It's accident, and. Uh, <laughs> I know it's a very ba- it's very bad. This is a very bad story. Mm-hmm. So um, the producers at Golden Harvest were literally done with the franchise at this point. They were like, "This is fucking over. Let's make another one." Um, <laughs> and uh, they moved forward the project, basically expecting it to fail, uh, which is sad uh, because that's not how you make movies. So they had a budget. That was very high for the time, which is fu- which is probably why they were like, oh, well, well, fuck it. Because I saw a few different numbers thrown around, but like somewhere between 17 and 20 million dollars. They were like, like we're going to make this bad. We're just going to make it. Ninja Turtles. This is, we're going to make this bad. We're just going to make this expensively bad. They're just going to spend all the money on it. It doesn't have to be good. It just has to be expensive. So it made back twice that amount so it was a success but it was still half of what the other films made yeah okay so it still wasn't as good as the other movies but they still made a fucking shit ton of money it's okay just sneeze we burp all day long but you can't sneeze (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true that's a great point okay so point um, for joel (laughs) (laughs) thanks y'all so this is also the only live action movie that did not have a theme especially written which is kind of a bummer because music was played like a huge role in the rest of the films and the other two and um, especially in the second film and that's how they made all their money like they made a lot of money off the soundtracks in this movie they were just kind of like fuck it like we're just gonna use licensed music the whole time and they did they used a lot of licensed music and specifically that zz top track at the top was fucking perfect because i jumped around my living room and uh i love zz top at the time so it was like fuck yeah the intro of this movie is 100 percent the best part of the movie if you watch like there are youtube videos dedicated to the beginning of this movie <laughs> that's it so our creators peter and kevin were not stoked on the direction of the films 
since the second one. And I can't imagine this one was any different. So unfortunately, because this film was not cherished in the same way as the other two, there's actually very little written about like the production of this film. It's mostly just scathing reviews from the time period. And apparently the producers were actively trying to keep critics away from the film, which is like a lot of critics wrote about how hard it was to review and watch the film. Like they were like trying to find ways to like screen it before it was released. And it actually paid off because everybody bought a ticket to this fucking movie. <laughs> like people. Yeah, no publicity is bad publicity, right? Exactly. People wanted to see it. They didn't care. It was the Ninja Turtles. You just fucking saw it. It's like, you know, you do it. So. Yeah, and when you hear about how bad something is, like you do want to see it. I just want to go into some of these reviews. So let's talk about through the eyes of the reviews. Here we go. So the LA Times. Michael Wilmington, this boy, wrote on March 22nd of 1993 when this movie came out. This is really sequel hell. (laughs) Whatever magic the first two movies may have had, and it wasn't always that apparent to anyone over the age of 10, has long since congealed like stale pizza. Oh, Oh, but you could tell he's a fan, though, because he brought up pizza. Yeah. So he knows what he's talking about. Oh, yeah. He wants this movie to do well. And he's just kind of like, nah, this sucks. And it's kind of harsh, but it's good. Um, You know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, give it credit where it's due. But literally eight days later, literally the week the movie comes out, this boy writes a real bad review. And he's like, this movie fucking sucks. And then the little boy. And he's like, hey, mister, you, you, you pick your moving pictures trash. It's absolute trash, mister. Oh, no, don't, don't chase after me, mister. Crenshaw just wants to be a critic. <laughs> you really just When did like... Crenshaw become Dobby? <laughs> yeah, where did that happen? Yeah, okay. So eight days later, they write this. Calabunga, dude. Those popular turtles captured the top box office spot for the second week, pulling in an estimated 7.3 million. That's all it took to top the box office? That's a lot of Benjis. Yeah, yeah no, they did it. And and uh, again, my mic cut out, Chris, so I don't know if this is going to fly, bud. Um, I mean, <laughs> I so to tell you. Why is this Chris's fault? It's not. I'm just letting him know so that when he listens back and there's weird gaps in my thing, we have to like... I, it, I might have to re-record this whole thing, which is fine. So was it really goes to show that like 90s kids didn't give a fuck. Like they just saw the movie. If there was a turtle on the screen and it was mutant in any way, <laughs> Those there kids was were a watching. Mutant, and, and not of age, then <laughs> they wanted to see it. If there was a chance there was pizza and turtles, yeah, I'm going. Because when turtles on a pizza, you can have turtles anytime. There it is. Yes. Full circle. Thank you. Thank you for that. So this is great. So our boy Hal Hansen at the Washington Post gets real deep. So Hal says, if the first sequel was a photocopy of the original, the second sequel is a tracing of a photocopy. It's the same business, twice removed and twice diminished. That's pretty vivid description. Wow. That guy knows how to review a movie. Yeah. <laughs> can, can we get that line reading one more time? <laughs> that guy knows how to review a movie. There it is. Nice. So, TV Guide said, been there, done that, 
complains Michelangelo near the end of the latest Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles saga, an apt gripe about the movie itself. Whoa. Wow. Use their words against them. exactly. Wouchy, everybody. They did not love this one. Uh, So I have some very fond memories of this movie. And uh, I think even though it is significantly dumber... And then the other two, it's still a lot of fun. So all these films really accomplish their goal of being solid, exciting, and goofy kids action movies. And uh, I consider it a real bonus that the first two hold up surprisingly well. Like, my brother and I, in our 20s, ordered a pizza, put the first film on, and hung out, like, on a Sunday afternoon. And it was a fucking blast. (laughs) Hung that pause that, that yeah, yeah pause just, that you yeah. took was very mysterious hung scrote. Hung, fucking hung just dribbling scrote all out <laughs> just <laughs> hung over as fuck just fucking blasting the ninja turtles nice yeah oh cool. and the uk still censored the hell out of this because oh, of the weapons in the back <laughs> it doesn't hell make yeah. any sense what they, they they literally banned all ninja weapons like what the fuck is wrong with the uk and the ninja weapons they're, they're just, afraid of them or something they're just teenage turtles with acne talking yeah, about their girl maybe problems they're against now. children mm. with weapons maybe that's what it is i mean there is a lot of weapons in this third installment they are so. teenage mutant teenaged mutant ninja turtles yeah. So, so I still have not seen any of them. Yeah, we got to do that. We really need to do that. Also, one uh, of them, Michelangelo, falls in love with a human person in this one. Oh, no, no, no. So it gets real weird, y'all. It's good. Yeah. It's a good one. <laughs> yeah, they went weird. It gets it. real weird. It's yeah. great. You'll love it. Uh, I have fallen in love with a turtle. Its name is Rascal. <laughs> The end? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, it is Brookie the Dragon again. If it's not too much to ask, please remember to subscribe to and rate one out of four experts on your preferred podcast streaming service. You can reach one out of four experts at one out of four experts at gmail.com or slide into their DMs. All right, Josh, thanks for being with us here today. Thanks for, you know, taking the time to, to fit us in. I came as soon as I got the call. Thanks for noticing the Josh signal that uh, Chris has installed on the roof of his building. It's mm-hmm. so much smoke. Mm-hmm. It's this just dark blue smoke. You can see it for miles. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, the police have been after me. Yes. And uh, coincidentally, Josh is the new Pope, which is also cool, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I heard about that. I don't really care. Yeah, I don't really either. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for waiting your turn. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, well, well, so what have you what have you brought before us on this day? So have you ever, uh, yes. I'm sure at some point, I'm sure yep. at some point you drove over a bridge. Yep. And you're, you thought for a minute. Like, Which one? You told me this wouldn't this? be scary. It's not fucking scary. You're not even listening. <laughs> okay. Like, how they how they build bridges that go over water? You ever think about yeah, that? Like, good, how do they a, do that? Very yeah, carefully. I do wonder that. You know, sometimes you drive over the Tappan Zee Bridge. Tappan Zee Bridge, that, that nice, mm. shiny new bridge. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a big boy. Yeah. But it's like, how did they build that? But yeah, I researched just like, how do they build these 
big columns and support structures oh, underwater. That's awesome. I would love to know that. Because okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, so, so do you get into sus- suspension bridges as all? No. It, I'm mostly talking specifically about how the do they build the things underwater. Gotcha. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Are, I guess mostly in a general sense, just like underwater construction. How yeah. do they do it? Well, Tony Stark. Well, yeah. yeah. He's not mentioned. Not once. Oh, okay. Well, no. that's one way to do it. So, yeah, um, like if I didn't end up getting into music, I probably would have got a, into something useful like <laughs> engineering construction. Or, yeah, just like civil engineering or something. Um, and I was always really into construction toys and building games, you know, like Roller Coaster Tycoon and fucking Lego and Lincoln Logs. Yeah, oh, or yeah. that new and that that new bridge. Holly Bridge, bridge is great. building game that you've been playing. Minecraft, all There's that stuff. There's a bridge stuff. building game? Oh, yeah, it's yeah, really fun really and really yeah. hard. Um, so I think all this stuff is really fascinating. The Incredible Machine. Yeah, that's another really fun oh, yeah, game. Great. That's a great one. Good job, Chris. Um, but there are lots of different ways engineers and construction workers built around water over the years. And thankfully, we got a lot better at it compared to when they first started doing it. So the simplest way to build bridge supports over water is to build, obviously, in shallow water with a solid foundation. Pretty obvious. That sounds ideal. <laughs> Most of the time, it's not that, though. But you could basically take two big beams and just jam them really deep into the ground and just have them angled toward each other. So you kind of jam them into the ground at an angle so it forms like a, an A shape. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then it could just, you put a platform on top of it and bam, you got a bridge. Think like piers at uh, at the beach mm-hmm. on the boardwalk. Oh it's all like the A-frame kind of stuff that goes out over the water. Yeah, um, I guess so. Yeah, so these are known as battered piles. Mm. And uh, yeah, they're, they're really rigid, though. So like rigid to a fault. Um, and that's just saying they're not right for every job. Right. You know, so like if there's not every bridge of, can be held up like, that way. If it's a long stretch and there's a lot of heavy wind. Yeah. Or like if the surf gets real gnarly. And they can't get really tall. Um, and they don't do well in areas with... A lot of seismic activity. Yep, that was just, my third one that I didn't get to. I appreciate yeah, it. Neither well, do I. Yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> yeah. So if conditions are suitable, um, you could build way sturdier things uh, by just kind of constructing the frame of a column with rebar directly in the ground and just fill it up with concrete. Um, so you just send down a team of divers to build the the skeleton of the support. And so is there a job out there that exists that's like underwater construction worker? Yeah. That's crazy. And you probably get paid a shitload of money. Um, is it called construction diver or is it called pylon? Uh, Musk. Uh, pylon needs- Musk. Pylon uh, <laughs> jammer. No, I don't know what the title is, but it's probably a, a pretty cool job if you're up for it. So if you're unaware, more often than not, concrete is reinforced with these steel bars known as rebar. And rebar set in concrete creates a significantly stronger structure compared to just concrete or steel alone. And that's pretty much in any piece of infrastructure around the country. And you see it a lot around Boston, totally exposed (laughs) because all of our shit's crumbling. It's very easy to see how they build it because it's literally fucking falling apart. Yeah. Um, And... Uh, it gives structures the best aspects of both materials. So pouring the concrete around the rebar column simply forces all of the water out of that area, and then the concrete just sets the same as it does on land. But this method isn't really practical once water gets too deep. 
So we're, we're kind of gradually working into deeper water here and bigger projects. So sometimes you got to break out some more heavy-duty shit. Uh, in that case, you might turn to these things called coffer dams. Anyone know what a coffer dam is? No, but I'm going to put an echo on that. Coffer dam. <laughs> coffer dams are temporary dams that are built around a work area. So water is constantly pumped out of it, and they basically just make a hole in the middle of water where there isn't water. Like none they, at all? Or yeah, do they, they just pump make it all lower? of the water out, Holy so it's just shit. dry land, and then they'll just build the regular concrete thing as if they were and on land. And then put the water back? Yeah, so Bonkers. the water wow. is surrounding them. Like, the water surrounds them completely. And like uh, like, like uh, Moses? Yeah. Just Jesus. like that. So they so build they like a, it back with an walls. area with a bunch of walls, and then they pump all the water out of that. Yep. So, and you get this weird little, so, wow. Yeah, so they're made with these big interlocking steel walls that are called sheet piles, and they're just mushed into the ground underwater. They just, like, slam a bunch of them in. And if the water's really deep, they just force braces in between the walls to just hold back the water because you're just digging straight down in water, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like if you took a cup and just put the bottom in a tub and just pushed it down. That's that's basically what it does. Okay. Uh, in this case, yeah, workers construct piers the same way they would on dry land. Um, and coffer dams are also frequently used in the construction of permanent dams and tunnels. So, like, when they build a dam, they put up a temporary dam so they could build the actual concrete dam before putting the water back, you know. Damn. I don't give a ha. damn. <laughs> Too many. Oh, God. So, if coffer dams still can't offer the protection you so desperately seek. Coffer. I hardly know her. Coffer. Wow. Uh, Okay. If coffer dams still can't (laughs) offer the protection you so desperately seek, then you need to try some really risky shit. (laughs) So, this next one is the most involved and kind of makes me a little uncomfortable if I think too hard about it. So this is maybe the closest thing to a me topic that it's going to get. Okay. <laughs> so for really big... Couldn't live with himself. Nope, couldn't do it. So for really big piers and supports, engineers typically use these things called caissons. And in general, a caisson is a submerged watertight structure that keeps a work area dry. So think of putting an empty cup... Yep, here we are again with the empty cup. But now you put it upside down in the water, and then you push it down. A bunch of air remains inside the cup, like a diving bell. And that's how a caisson works. That That's basically what a caisson is. So sometimes they're completely enclosed, and other times they don't have a bottom. Regardless, they're just full of air, and they're less buoyant than water, so they don't sink. So they're forced underwater with the help of big anchors and big weights, and that can present a ton of challenges on its own. But once they're uh, at their destination, they're forced into the ground until they hit bedrock. And then they're just filled with concrete and they become a permanent part of the structure. So that doesn't sound too weird unless you're one of the uh, poor people that had to go inside them. Oh. If they're going to fill it with concrete, why do they go inside of it? Because they got to dig out all the mud and crap as they're working toward bedrock. Oh my God, dude. Oh my God. And not only that, that person needs to stay in there. It's a one-way trip. 
Oh uh, no, 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 it's not. Chris. No, <laughs> shit, not again. Not true. So, yeah. So the reason this this part makes me a little uncomfortable is back in the day they used to send people down inside the caissons, and it was super, super, super dangerous. So the Brooklyn Bridge, for example, was built with the use of pressurized caissons. So workers used open caissons so they didn't have a bottom, oh my God. and they used them to construct the foundation of the supports, or the piers as they're known. And they could access the caisson from the surface by entering an airlock, and then they would just shimmy themselves down to the work area, and workers pushed mud and rocks into a pool of water that was in the middle of the opening down there. It was attached to a tube. And I like this part. The tube was called the muck tube. <laughs> and that just led straight up to the surface. So the air pressure inside of the casein just forced the Whoa. muck upward. Oh, my yeah. God. And oh, then muck God. From there, it was just scooped out by big old bucket loaders. What if you got stuck in there? Did anybody get stuck in the muck tube? Oh, uh, I don't know if anyone got stuck in the muck tube. I, I know a lot of people like got really hurt putting this thing together. Um, so when a caisson is pushed underwater, the pressure inside, the air pressure inside has to match the pressure of the water on the outside. Otherwise, it would just implode, you know? So when it hits bedrock, the air pressure inside is way, way, way higher than it is on the surface. So when building the Brooklyn Bridge, a bunch of workers suffered from what was known as caisson disease. (gasps) Isn't that just the bends? Yes. Joel gets a point. An extreme version of the bends? No, no, it's uh, like they a just normal called the version of the awful, awful thing, so, the Benz. Yeah, mind you, the Brooklyn Bridge was constructed in 1870, so it was before scuba. Oh, shit. Oh. It was before scuba? It was pre-scuba. Man, scuba would be a great topic, because I did have no idea when that was invented. Well, also diving bells are good, too. Diving bells would be another good topic. But either way, yeah, case and disease is synonymous with the Benz. And if you don't know what the Benz is or the Benz are, I don't it's know how that works. Radio oh, give it to me, Josh. Uh, not, I mean, Chris is different, cur- different kind of correct. So <laughs> the Benz. The wrong kind. <laughs> the not point worthy kind. So, yes. The Benz is decompression sickness. So all of the gases in your body start escaping into parts of your body where they don't belong. And it could be super, super painful at your joints because there are a bunch of little bubbles in your joints that come to the surface. And it could cause long-term damage, like really bad nerve damage and even paralysis. So you have to treat it immediately with 100% oxygen and a decompression chamber, which I think is where they basically gradually decrease the air pressure oh, God. to allow your body to also, kind of settle the back. Bubbles, the air bubbles will form in your veins. Yeah, it could kill you. And if one of those bubbles gets to your heart, yeah, you I know, die. Joel, I know. It explodes. Uh, bad things happen Chris, to Josh, your you human told me this wasn't going to happen. That's as bad as it gets. And uh, Don't go under the water that deep. But they had to. They had to build the fucking bridge, man. No, you I'm don't just, get it. I'm saying that for Caitlin's sake. When are you going to go Caitlin that deep? Caitlin is going to be a bridge builder in the 1800s. <laughs> she's going. Yeah. She's building she's America. Me and the Ninja Turtles are going to go back and fulfill our dreams of building the Brooklyn Bridge. She'll live to the ripe old age of 38. And that's that's the end of my topic. Okay. Sweet. That came out of nowhere, that ending, but it's like you knew what we Wait. were going to be talking about. and For real? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Whoa.
Okay, welcome back to the show, y'all. I hope that you enjoy Chris's topic. Okay, so for my topic this week. Do you need a special introduction or are you? Oh, Chris is going Uh-oh. out of the room. Uh-oh. Chris Uh-oh. has left the room. Uh, this is, uh, I should say that this is his room, so I'm confused. He's coming back into the room. He oh, has yay! pickles. pickles! Chris has delivered us not just any pickles. These are Gorillo's Boston's own pickles. They're the chip version, if anybody's curious. Okay, Joel. What is this? Just a fucking advertisement <laughs> yeah, for Grillo's now? now? Yeah, no, it's uh. Honestly, if they want an ad spot, dude, they got it. Yeah, All right, Chris, go so for pickles. it. So pickles, we're gonna talk about pickles. Yeah. Yeah, pickled shit sponge. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't bring that up once. Um. So yeah, I was, I was eating pickles the other day. Yep. And I was As like, you yeah, but you ever have like a food and you see it and you're like, who came up with this? Yeah, you're like, I don't know where these bad boys came from. All the time. Yeah. Or it's like who tried milk first? Exactly. From a cow? Who tried milk first? You who sick saw... fucks. Yeah. So I was having pickles, and I love pickles. That's like five sneezes in a row, Caitlin. That's so insane. That's on, the, that's on the low end. I for her. tried to stop earlier, and you told me never to stop when I have to sneeze. Listen, for to... together we make signals. I couldn't hear any of that. I'm the only one who wears headphones in this podcast, and I didn't hear Caitlin sneeze once. Well, then all of this is for nothing. So. Yeah, so that's how I felt about pickles. Uh, so I love I love pickles, specifically pickled... I love pickles, too. Specifically pickled cucumbers, which oh, is what yes, these are. yes, because you can Yo. pickle anything. But, well, basically, yeah. Pickled green beans, pickled okra, pickled cucumber. That's pickled just pick- onions. I, you get it? That's the pickles. I got you. <laughs> the big three. Yeah, but, you know, I like other pickled things in general. Same. Uh, but, yeah, I was just like, I don't know. I've never thought of, like, who would have thought to do this? If I was around back then, I would have never... Yeah, where if that. I tasted vinegar, I was like, let's soak something in this. Yeah. To the point where it's like a little, getting a little bit see-through. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I we'll mean, eat it. Is it a Japanese, did it did it originate in Japan? So I'm going to get into it. So, uh, Ooh, I feel like you would have gotten a point if that was the answer. That's well, true. That's very true, which is why I don't think it originated in Japan anymore. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's hard to tell, but I'm, I'll get into it. So... Okay, so I'm gonna dive. I'm gonna dive into both the act of pickling things and where that came from, and also pickled cucumbers specifically because I love those bad boys. You know what I'm thinking of? Fermentation, yeah, which is different. No, that's, like kimchi is pickled, but not because it's well, fermented. Too. I mean, that's that's kind. That's one way to pickle something. It's like it's fermenting it. So, so the act of Point pickling. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, fine. Fuck, dude. So, <laughs> I just worked so hard for one. I gave you two. I don't things. have any, so all y'all shut the fuck up and let Chris keep going. Okay. So the act of pickling is a way of preserving something or extending the lifespan of a food item by fermenting it in brine or vinegar. So brine is literally just highly concentrated salt water, Ugh. and vinegar is vinegar. You know what vinegar is? Oh. It's, it's basically acid. Um, you usually see pickled vegetables, but you can pickle pretty much anything. Most commonly, uh, besides vegetables, are fruits, meats, fish, and eggs. Hmm. So for something to be a pickle, it needs to have a pH level of 4.6 or lower. Could you just like pickle a filet mignon? Yeah, oh, yeah certainly. Yeah, of could. course you could. Please don't. Um, but yeah, so at 4.6 uh, pH or lower, that's enough to kill most bacterias. Which that that was the original 
idea behind pickles is like it was to preserve stuff. It wasn't because people liked the flavor. Of right, it. right. Um, so, but it, isn't it is it not true that people were pickling shit before they knew what bacteria was? I don't think so. Well, I don't know. Maybe they didn't know about bacteria, but they just want they to extend the life was, of it. Yeah, exactly. That's wild. So, uh, for fun, I looked into the pH scale, which is definitely going to be a little mini topic right here. So I'm going to go down the pH scale from basic to acidic. Okay. Uh, so right at the top of the pH scale at 14 is your boy liquid drain cleaner. And then uh, from there going down to around 13, you got your bleaches. Uh, ammonia is next at around 10 to 11. And then once you get down to 9.5, you got baking soda. So now it's okay to eat that stuff. Okay. Yeah, delicious. Once you get to 9.5. It's my um, favorite flavor in pancakes. So then o- ocean water is about 8. Mm, delicious. Right below uh, ocean water at 7.8 is our good friend Blood. Yeah, and, uh, num, 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 num. right below blood is the holy trinity of milk, urine, and saliva. Ooh, equally delicious. Both around the six range. The holy trinity, um, dude. Then, then you got a black coffee has a pH of five. And okay. then around uh, 2.5 to 3.5, you got your sodas and your grapefruit juices. Lemon juice and vinegar are at around two. Ooh. And then bringing up the rear right at zero, that's battery acid. Mm. So you can consume Yum. everything below around 9.5 right up to battery acid. Yep. Um, that's the line. So, uh, to pickle something, you got to get that sweet spot right in between black coffee and soda. Mm-hmm. That's what pickles something. So, um, it's in between black coffee and soda. That's the pH level that needs to be is Oof. between the pH levels of black coffee and soda around to pickle something. So, uh, quick history of pickles, much like brunch and toilet paper. Mm-hmm. It's hard to trace the exact origin of pickles, mm-hmm. uh, but there's evidence suggesting people were making pickles since 2400 BC. So, Jesus ate many pickles. I thought you were going to say 2004 for a second. And no. I was like, <laughs> Chris, you are doing a bad job. <laughs> um, yeah, Jesus ate many pickles. He constantly smelled like garlic. Uh, and again, for those just tuning into this episode, uh, he never wiped his butt. Um, <laughs> if you didn't hear. So in 2400 BC, pickling. Nope, toilet paper. Um, it may have started in the uh, Mohenjo-Daro region, which is in modern day Pakistan. Uh, and its name translates to Mound of the Dead Men, which is a lot of fun. Whoa, Bass. that's a very fucking Game of Thrones title. <laughs> and yeah. it was uh, it was developed, like I said, it was developed as a way of preserving food. At first, no one was making pickles because they thought it would taste good. It was more out of necessity because when you're traveling on long trips, you're on a ship. You need to keep perishable food somehow. And they right, found like that beef that jerky. Works. Like yeah. people ate a bunch of beef jerky and they're like, this is fucking garbage. And we're like, beef jerky is fucking great, dude. Yeah, beef jerky now. and pickles are dope. Well, and those, they were like, this is a necessity. <laughs> some of the, I'll, I'll, I'll give Joel another point because uh, the popular early pickled foods were salt pork and salt beef. Hell yeah. Um, it didn't take long for people to realize like the salt is dope. Let's yeah. eat more salt. And yeah. then <laughs> Heart pick, problems. Our yeah. bodies crave it. So then p- pickling, pickling was done for funsies and not necessarily for travel and preservation purposes. I mean, it still was, but they also liked it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the term pickle comes from the Dutch word pekel, which translates to brine. So it's pretty on the nose. Uh, and the word pickle is used interchangeably with pickled cucumbers in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Uh, in other parts of the world, though, pickled cucumbers aren't really the standard when you think of pickles. 
Um, in South Asia, for example, they pickled mangoes, which Ooh. I definitely want to try. Yeah, definitely. Um, wow. Lemons, limes, tamarind, eggplants, oh, carrots. Pickled tamarind, though. Yeah. Egg- eggplant. Fuck. Would be delicious. Cauliflower, tomato, Ooh, gourds, uh. ginger, garlic, onion. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yo, Whole Foods, stock some of these Asian pickles. Pretty y'all. much everything but cucumbers. Um, in Europe, they have pickled cucumbers, but the most common pickled food is sauerkraut, mm-hmm. which Ooh. is pickled cabbage, if Very you're unfamiliar. Good. Right, right, right. Um, that they was also, a stinky one. Yeah, it is very stinky. They also, I'll give, I'll give Josh a point. Oh. They're stinky. That was, uh, but uh, I was more <laughs> referring to the the stinky episode where we all ate a bunch of sauerkraut oh, yeah. and pickles and, 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 and yes. hot dogs. Yeah. That is true. We Ooh. did not smell good. We did crush some hot dogs. Yeah. Um, once they develop smell vision for podcasts, we're gonna. Yeah, this is gonna see, not see going a, to be popular. A negative spike in yeah. listeners. Um, in Europe, they also like pickled peppers, uh, a lot of the same vegetables like tomatoes and carrots and Can onions. you pick a peck of them? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, Caitlin, you can have a point. <laughs> Shit. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, pickled plums stuffed with garlic. <gasps> oh. Which you, I would... You were starting to lose me at plums, but then yet had me back at, yeah, at garlic. Yeah, I don't know why, but I really garlic. want that. De- yeah, I don't think I've ever well. had something that's like really sweet, like a plum or a mango pickled yeah, before. I, I never even thought like about that. I'm having trouble trying to think of it what that would taste like. so good to me. Yeah, yeah me too. Oh, yeah, I want to try it. I really it. would like that. Um, of course, there's kimchi, which is a Korean pickle staple made of mm. Napa cabbage and radish, usually. Yeah, that, you know what? I kimchi knew that was Korean, and for some reason, I went right to Japan, and I'm sorry, Korea. Yeah. Kimchi's great. Good job, y'all. Yeah. Bury that fucking cabbage. <laughs> I don't care. So, uh, a lot of people, when, when pickling things, will add something called an antimicrobial which is something that kills microorganisms or stops their growth. So that also aids in preserving the food. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that sounds like something gross that you don't want added into your food, you'll be pleased to learn that some antimicrobials are actually common herbs and spices that garlic. coincidentally add to the wonderful pickle flavor we all know and love. And yes, garlic is one of them. Joel, you can have a point. Wow. Hell yeah. Also, wait, also prevents Duncan. against vampires, too. That, okay, Caitlin, you can my, have a point. It's anti-vampire you and, go, you and only get one point. You get and one point. anti-hell okay. <laughs> Garlic is good. Okay, Josh gets a point. <laughs> um, so, but besides garlic, you got mustard seed, you got cloves, you got your cinnamon, you got a parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. Those are all micro uh, antimicrobials. I'm looking at like all of those things in this. Uh, so, for those still watching through the extra cam, yeah. Uh, Chris brought in some Grillo's pickles, and I'm looking and I'm looking at garlic and i'm looking at time and a lot of the things that chris is talking about they're There's all there definitely when did they start adding dill chris where's that dill come from i don't have the year for that unfortunately That's that, right. that i couldn't find uh dill is dill's one of them though dill, is it an anti-microbial or is it just like a sick flavor they decided it's it's, it's well it's both nice it's coincidentally both so yeah so these kinds of herbs are absolute microorganism murdering machines they should be in jail um, if a food has enough moisture in it already, all it takes to pickle is just some salt and its own nat- natural moisture will Ooh. just make a brine on its it, own. It makes its own brine for yeah. itself. That's gross. Yeah, <laughs> sitting in its own brine. Ooh, that's the that's crunch a good of a pickle. Crunch. Give me one of those. I love me a good pickle. Mm-hmm. I'm growing to appreciate them, honestly. Like that's delicious. Continue, so, Crush. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go into pickled cucumbers now. A L- little bit more about those specifically, which we just ate. I love them. Um, from this point on, I'll be referring to pickled cucumbers as just pickles. So there's no confusion. 
so much like brunch, toilet paper, and regular pickles before them, uh, it's hard to trace the exact origin of pickles. Uh, one theory is that they were developed for workers who built the Great Wall of China, which, like, again, I love pickles. I don't know if that would be good for that task necessarily. Well, you could like just you could just put a ton of them in a big old bucket, have a big old bucket of pickles, throw a bunch of those buckets of pickles out out by the Great Wall, and then you, you there they can stay out there for a long time, and then everybody just comes in, grabs from the bucket of pickles, and you just have a little snack. I'm picturing whole cucumbers in this scenario. Just yeah, throwing it out there. They are, yeah. Um, Caitlin, I feel like you wanted a point, so I'll give you a oh, point. Oh, no, I wasn't. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. a, no, you can have it. It's fine. Um, Your Chinese Great Wall story is on point. Well, I mean, so that's that's probably what it was, though, is that it was because they were outside in the hot, that hot China sun, mm-hmm. building that wall all day and all night. And uh, just suck a for, pickle. Yeah, just for preser- preserving it, you know, you need food that can... That can keep in those conditions mm-hmm. uh it probably wasn't for uh it's not a good thing to have if you're parched yeah it's not like gatorade it's very or salty. like for nourishment a- yeah. actually it kind of is like gatorade because gatorade's got a lot of salt in it there's a yeah. lot of yeah you're talking about restoring your body's natural salts chris and you know pickles do a good pretty good job yeah it's I a mean, hydrating fruit Oh. I feel like I feel like I would be dehydrated after yeah, eating pickles. I also agree. But you know, we weren't there. We can't say for sure. But um, some people claim that they actually came from the Tigris Valley of Mesopotamia. Ah, um, uh, the Tigris. Yeah, there's not a, a and the Euphrates. Yeah, there's not a good. Uh, I think it's Tigris and Euphrates. It, yeah. Well, I mean, but that's okay. I'm just, just picking on you. You can just tell it's me. It's fine. It's fine. Continue. Well, yeah, it's clearly it's not fine. Because I mean, it is. Well. <laughs> Boys, boys. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> so anyway. The Fertile uh, Crescent. You know what we're talking about. <laughs> so uh, there are lots of different kinds of pickles. I'm going to get into just a few of them. So I ranked these types of pickles from uh, pretty normal to really strange, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, I'd like to know if you agree with my ranking. Sure. If one is, if you think one is stranger than the other. I'm sure I missed a few. Uh, but right, well, we'll fill out the feedback form. Yeah, I've only got 15 minutes to work with, so I narrowed it down to the most common and the most interesting, I think. So first up, you got your run-of-the-mill dill pickle. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much as normal as a pickle gets. They're fermented with dill, sometimes garlic. You can add some peppers in there, and you got some spicy dill pickles, and they're delicious. Uh, then you got your gherkins. Oh, I love a good is, gherkin. Uh, it's a fun word to say if you want to say gherkin. Gherkin. Yeah, there it is. I love a good gherkin. Yeah, so uh, they're prepared the same way as regular old dill pickles, uh, but they're tiny, and that's it. They're just tiny. Yeah. It's just a little pickles. cucumber. It's a yeah. little cucumber. They're just gherkin, you chain. Then you, <laughs> then you got your uh, kosher pickles, which uh, they're not called kosher because they stick to Jewish dietary restrictions, but because it was uh, it's made in a manner that was made popular at Jewish delis in New York. Okay. Um, and they use a natural salt brine, and these pickles taste more salty and less yeah. vinegary. Yeah, more kosher, I, kosher salt. Yeah, I and, prefer uh, the other ones. Yeah, I mean they're they're different. Um, <laughs> I like a vinegar. They're vinegar. also these are really good though. There's a good you know so nothing you, like a good deli pickle. Did you look at anything in the difference of like a deli pickle, like a quick pickle versus a long term pickle? So there are full sour pickles. Yeah, half which, sours. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, so full sour pickles are the ones that they let ferment for the full 
the full amount of time. I, to be honest, I don't know exactly how long. Oh that shit! Is. You didn't figure out what the time they was. They didn't know. I didn't. I couldn't find. No, I they find, vary. It varies. Find, yeah. I'm picking on you. It varies. Save it for the feedback one. form, Joel. Yeah. You're right. I'll fill it out later. So a full sour pickle is made the way a normal kosher pickle is made for the full amount of time. Then you have half sour pickles, which they, it's like a quick one. Like yeah, you said, that's the one that you get with your grilled cheese sandwich at like friendlies. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so those are good too. I mean, I, I like those kinds of pickles. Oh man. I love a good half sour because of the crunch. Yeah. It's all about that fucking fresh cucumber, baby. So then right below the kosher pickles, you got your bread and butter pickles. Uh, I was tempted to put these last because they're absolutely gross. Fuck you. They're delicious. Um, oh, I, I would, don't know if I've had those. I would do literally anything over eating a bread and butter pickle. They go heavy on the mustard seed and a lot more sugar. Like, it's very sweet. Oh, yeah, very, very sweet. I, know, I know the ones. It's a mustardy, sweet pickle, and I will... They are fucking delicious. I'm okay. I'm they're okay not with those, delicious. Yeah. They're actually terrible. And if you like bread and butter pickles, you should be in jail with those antimicrobials. <laughs> then lock me um, up. They're sweet yeah, pickles. Yeah, lock me up too. I w- couldn't even bring myself to look into what they use besides sugar to make that terrible, terrible Mustard taste. Seed, dude. Mustard I don't seed. care. I do not care. Okay. Um, they're the worst. <laughs> if you eat bread and butter pickles, you can stop listening to this podcast right now. You are not welcome. Because I'm here. on this podcast. You're not welcome here. Um, Joel, please leave. Then you got your cinnamon pickle. Oh, that. See, um, why okay. isn't that? See, this is that- a it's fucking law. gross. So uh, they are bright red and they are brined nope. like a normal pickle, but you add in a bunch of cinnamon or nope. red hots. Oh, come on. Yeah. Um, I would eat these over bread and butter pickles. Oh, Get you have to be out, out of, of your um, mind. And then bring it up the rear. A fr- you would have a French toast pickle over this mustard deliciousness. Oh, absolutely. You need to leave. And then uh, bring it up the rear. You got your Kool-Aid pickles. Oh, no, um, Also, on. also referred to horrendous. as coolicles. Oh, no. no. Come on. That's not even close. They these should just are... be called kookles. <laughs> Google's a different thing. Uh, cool, cool. Yeah, I know where you're going. So these are these are popular in the southern United States with uh, stupid children. Um, it's made exactly how you think it's made. They're blue or red or whatever First color the Kool Aid is. Um, they're gross. You're making a huge mistake if you eat them. Uh, I would eat them over bread and butter pickles every God day. God damn of the week. it! Uh, I don't understand you, man. Fuck bread and butter pickles. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. All right, let's wrap this up. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to put a tiny little bow on it. Such a tiny bow. Mm, So can't even see it. It's so tiny. A microscopic bow. It's very small. But it's going to be nicely wrapped. Like someone did it at that toy store, Zany Brainy. Oh my God, are you kidding me, Zany Brainy, dude? (laughs) How many points we all get? Uh, You're going to... Have five points for Zany Brainy. Don't give him five points for Zany. All right, Zany Brainy's great. I don't need five points for Zany Brainy. You get two points. Okay. All right. right, We're negotiating, folks. But seriously, who did? Who did win the points? Well, this changes everything. It's um no Joel with uh six. Wow. Nice. All right, so you'll be going first next time, bud. Great job, Joel. Um. So, uh, I shouldn't have started talking because I have nothing to say. <laughs> someone else, stop me. Please, someone say something else. Uh, do we, do we want to ask people to write topics to us? Has anybody written a topic to us? Um, besides our moms, I do not believe yeah, so. Yeah, nobody right. shared a topic with us. That's fine, whatever. Give us some topics. What are you doing? Y'all listen to the show or not? 
Are we waiting for them to answer? Oh, uh, God. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to get them to answer. Is, this, just, is it like Dora the Explorer where you're like, <laughs> great answer. You're like, where we is the bridge? Is it, yeah. is it here? <laughs> what kind of supports does the bridge use? Oh, um, cup divers or Good, whatever they are. Good, there you go, Bring it back. Cup but, divers. <laughs> yeah, there are some real interesting topics this time around, but what do you, uh, what do we all got for next time around? I'm going to bring uh, the story of how Link became Zelda, and it was a long, slow, painful surgery, and you all don't want any part of it. Oh, jeez. I'm going to show you how to unslice bread. I'm going to be talking about pretty little ponies. I'm going to be walking a cow up the stairs to this very room, and I'm going to give it a haircut. Well, we all know cows (laughs) can't walk upstairs, so good try, Chris. They can walk up, just not down. Yeah. Same with horses. Yeah, you yeah. got me. Same you got with me there. horses. Yeah. All right, so you can bring them up here, but <laughs> we either gonna eat this cow or he's got a window. Throw no, him I, out. I was gonna. I was gonna eat the cow. Okay, let's eat the cow. Next right. time on one, one out of four. Experts. Experts. One out of four experts. There's- I am fucking dreaming of these giant Italian subs that I'm about to fucking destroy. Oh my god, what are we going to put in it again? We got meat. We got, got so she literally took a whole leg of pig. Oh shit. Cut a bunch of prosciutto. Oh. And then we got some spicy giant fucking pepperoni like this big. Uh, and then uh, we got some like, uh, what are they, what does she call it? Hot, it's like hot capicola. Capicola? Yeah, ca- ca- capicola. Capicola? Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, experts.